recording now. We are recording. We're on air. Are we getting food or are you good? I mean, I could always eat some. I mean, I have pretzels. So. Okay. Oh. Alright, I'm getting my maps ready, so don't look. Okay. Okay, hi. Hi. Guess what I did yesterday? What did you do? Oh, I know what you did, but everybody else might want to guess. Hey, it was my last day at my job. Oh my gosh. I'm yeah. so excited. I... It was, it was so awkward. I did... So they planned a lunch and they've done that for everyone that's quit in the last year which is probably I think I'm the 14th person that's quit this year wow isn't that sad that is sad so they did, did do a little lunch and I was wanting to not do that because <laughs> I kind of wanted to sneak out the back door because I'm not good at goodbyes I get really awkward and I just kind of like you know the the Nick Miller from yep um new girl new girl where you like waves his arms and scoots backwards that's exactly how i like i'm so weird and i don't know what to say and i don't want them to know anything about my life and where i'm going or what i'm doing for some reason so like the less you know the better yeah i just don't want anyone to know me anymore but yeah it was really awkward i don't know um really exciting though so yeah how did you celebrate i went to corn bellies last night we had a season pass. <laughs> Corn Bellies is like a fall festival kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's like a fall fair. At, I mean, there's just like literal pumpkins everywhere. They have a corn maze, all these slides and whatever, and nice. fall foods. But they have, they have a haunted maze, and we took Axel and Levi through You it. did? Oh, yeah. my gosh. And Okay, so tell everybody how old they are. Okay, Axel is six and Levi is five. <laughs> and um, I'm surprised you did that. I bought, well, I got the, so with the season pass, you get like three free um, entries into the haunted thing. And we're running out of time before it closes and we've only gone twice right. to the whole thing anyway. And I was like, well, let's just get them just in case because our friends Jordan and Corey were going to meet up with us. And uh -huh. so. I was like, well, we'll see. I, maybe they'll take the kids, but whatever. We got them just in case. And then Levi was pumped to go through the haunted house. <laughs> he would be. He was like, I'm so scary when I'm a vampire and <laughs> a vampire. Yeah, he calls it a vampire, and that's what he's going to be for Halloween. Oh. And he was like wanting to go. And I'm like, I'm telling you it's scary. People jump out at you. They're wearing scary masks. There's clowns. There's evil people that like to <laughs> scare you and he was like no i want to go i was like okay okay and then so axel was oh. not interested at all and i'm like okay i'll stay out with you but then like right before after uh josh my husband and levi walked to the haunted house axel's like okay i'll go and i'm like no you don't have to go it's okay and he's like no no i'll go and i'm like are you sure like i asked him a thousand times are yeah. you sure and he's like yeah i'm sure i'm like okay oh man so we go through the haunted house and levi at first is fine so the very first thing is you're in this room and then like this guy with a chainsaw comes in and like puts a chainsaw to the floor and like chainsaws scare the crap out of me yeah. and i'm like i'm supposed to be the brave one with my kids <laughs> and so um like now's the time to be brave <laughs> yeah now i can hold myself together and not pee my pants so we go or you know axel freaks out levi's like he almost got my feet off like <laughs> levi just thought it was crazy and yeah. so we're going through it levi's like he's 
totally fine. And Axel's whimpering. Like, he's like, this is the worst thing ever. We didn't know how to get out. And it really wasn't that bad. Like, if you, I mean, for little kids, I'm sure it was terrifying. But um, I was like, I knew he wouldn't like this. And so Josh carried him the whole time. And Josh was just like having him say hi to all the people so he wasn't so scared <laughs> knowing that they're just actors yeah it's not real and they're all teenagers so they're little shits and so they see little kids and they know they can get a scream out of them so one yeah. of them like hit a metal bar he was holding to like a metal bar on the wall yeah and levi screamed his eyes <laughs> popped out of his head oh my Aww. gosh it was so funny <laughs> it was so, so funny so what did they both say about it after levi was like just talking about how like this guy almost cut his feet off like he was just like i can't believe he almost did that and um that's he was just obsessed with that and that's was like yeah that was too scary <laughs> and i'm like i told you but oh i thought gosh. they would have nightmares last night and they didn't yeah so it was good well hi everybody oh hi <laughs> this is hot and cold episode five yep our halloween episode it's halloween happy halloween yep it's not Halloween today that we're recording, but it's Halloween when this comes out for you. So it's Halloween for you. It's Halloween for you. And I'm decorating for Christmas tomorrow. Oh. Okay. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow. You're tomorrow. Oh, you're tomorrow. Yeah. They're tomorrow. The listeners tomorrow. Yeah. I was like, it's not even. <laughs> no. okay. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're in the future now. Yeah. We have our uh, bring your own booze. Yeah. Um, also airing today so that's gonna be a really spooky episode i can already feel it it's not recorded yet but i can feel how spooky it is it'll be a party it'll be a party it's true we'll see well we'll see what happens okay are you ready for your clue for where we're going yeah i found it outside of your neighborhood before i got into your house for your clue a rock (laughs) it's a piece of cement are we going to a mine no are we going to a uh, rock factory? <laughs> not a rock factory. Oh my gosh, this is a story I did not know existed. It blows my mind that I never heard about it. I don't know if you have. I, I haven't. Know. I know you were telling me there's a movie. There's a movie. Which blows my mind. And it it was made in 2019. Oh. Like it was, it's a newer movie. Oh. It wasn't like in theaters because I don't think it was good, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wow. And did you watch it? I watched it. it three out of three out of ten. Oh. <laughs> okay. I mean, but That's it why was, no one's heard of it. It was scary because I just knew what was happening and I was just like the anticipation. Like I love thriller movies. So yeah. I'm not gonna tell you the title of it, but I will tell you my references. Medium.com, CBS.com, attorneygeneral.utah.gov, and the Minds of Madness podcast, episode sixty-eight. Listen to me when I tell you the person who did the Minds of Madness did such a good job and really? his voice is deep and like a documentary oh. and it just makes it so like intense. Yeah. I loved it so much. So yeah, go back and listen. Listen to my version and then listen to his <laughs> and then realize that his was better. It was so good. Go and I, I cried listening to it. So just, oh, wow. Just wait. I am okay. buckled up. Okay. Kay and Rolf Tita met as young adults and got married in 1963 in Salt Lake City, Utah. They were members of the LDS Church and dreamed of having a large family. They struggled conceiving, and after a few years, they adopted their daughter, Linnea. Three years later, adopted their son, Sean, 
And within a few weeks of adopting Sean, they found out they were pregnant and had a daughter named Trisha. They were so excited to have the big family that they always wanted. Aww. Rolf Tita, I believe it's Tita that you pronounce it. Yeah. Rolf Tita was a, a father businessman. He owned a successful business in Texas. Kay Tita was a loving mother to her three children and her friends and daughter. She's just a really good woman. Okay. Um, they moved from Salt Lake City to Texas where Rolf built his, his business. So when they moved from Salt Lake to Texas, they still had a family cabin in Oak Lake, Utah. It's east of Park City, so it's even okay. like it's way far out there. Got it. Near Moon Lake then, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway. I looked at the map and saw Park City and it was on the right. <laughs> so <laughs> got it. <laughs> Anyways. <sighs> okay. If you've learned anything, maps are not our strongest. <laughs> maps, locations, cities, states, countries even. We don't yeah. know. So they kept their family cabin as their, you know, get away from life. They would every year travel to Utah to visit with family and friends at their cabin for, for their annual Christmas party. Wow. So. Bougie. Um, yeah, super bougie. Uh, 1990s bougie, though. <laughs> <laughs> So the Tita family planned to spend Christmas in their cabin in Oakley, Utah. It was an isolated cabin two and a half miles off the main road and could only be reached by snowmobile in the winter. As you reach this gate, there's a parking lot, rows of garages, kind of like a storage unit. Okay. And people would put their snowmobiles in there to go to their cabins. So oh. they would just park in the parking lot and then take their, their snowmobiles to their cabins. Okay. I was so, wondering how they're getting there in the winter. Cause right. I'm like, most roads are closed. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of weird, too. But, but that's cool. Yeah, so on December 20th, 1990, Kay Tita and her son, Sean, flew into Salt Lake City first. They were picked up at the airport by Kay's sister, Claudia, and then the three of them made their way to the cabin. Once they reached the gate, there's a garage where they kept the snowmobile, so they got, they all packed in their snowmobile, so they had to, like, put everything that they had in their cars into their snowmobiles and then Jeez. pack it up to the, the like cabin. suitcases and stuff, yeah. right? Huh. Um, let's see. Halfway to the cabin, they saw a man on the trail, not at all dressed for the winter. So he was like in a light jacket, uh, khakis, and he should not have been out there uh-huh. dressed that way. So they were like, this is kind of weird. Kay stopped and asked him if he needed help, but he just ignored her and quickly walked away and out of sight. So he was just like, what? just really creepy dude. They were kind of freaked out by this guy walking around, but they just kind of put it past him and went Especially not dinner. to say anything, because if, yeah. if you really didn't need help, you say, oh, no, I'm good, and just whatever, you know? Right. And just to flat out ignore and then walk away as fast as you could, that's suspicious. Like, that's yeah. weird. So, the Claudia decided to stay the night with them and just had dinner there, and then they spent some family time catching up, because it had been a while. Uh-huh. The next day on December 21st, Rolf Tita, uh, the husband, and the oldest daughter, Linnea, who is 20, and the youngest daughter, Trisha, who is 16, they flew in separately. So apparently, they always travel separately in case something happens to one of them. There's always a parent left. They do that intentionally everywhere they travel, but they travel separately so that if anything happens, one of them survives and is there to take care of the family. Like the parents split. Yeah. Huh. Isn't that weird? That is 
that's kind of like an intense way to travel. I would feel yeah. like you're always expecting the worst thing. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I was just to say, like, it's not a bad idea, but it's also a very, very, very cautious idea. Yeah, I thought that was kind of, kind of weird. But basically, right when they arrived, Kay told Rolf about the weird guy that they passed and asked him to get their guns out of the car just in case. So he went and got the guns they keep in their family car and just put them on the snowmobile mm-hmm. so that they at least had them close. Claudia, the aunt, headed home to make sure she had all she needed for the family Christmas party. The Tita family decorated the cabin together, wrapped presents. Oh, this sounds like a dream. I know, right? So far. <laughs> In a cabin, it's just warm and toasty. Yeah. They, they wrapped their presents, put them under the tree, hung the stockings, the like literal storybook Christmas. In the middle of the yeah. woods. Yep, secluded. So they later decided to head out last minute to do last minute shopping, and Sean decided he wanted to go to his Aunt Claudia's house for the night because he was sick of shoveling snow at the cabin. So his parents dropped him off at Claudia's, and they went to Kay's mother's house in Salt Lake and spent the night there. So they spent the 21st in Salt Lake City. Got it. Okay, on December 22nd, around noon, Kay, Linnea, and they brought... Uh, Kay's mom, Beth, who is 76, and Kay was 49, and yeah, Linnea was 20. Um, But they brought Grandma to the cabin to continue their party preparations. Mm -hmm. As they approached, Linnea saw a dark figure in the master bedroom of the cabin. She thought it was just her cousin David that may have arrived early, so she didn't say anything. Once they got to the cabin, she ran upstairs to the kitchen to run her hands under warm water, and she again thought she saw her cousin David hiding behind the fridge. She laughed and waited for him to jump out and scare her. Oh my gosh. Instead, it was a frizzy, curly-haired man pointing his pistol at her. Literally a nightmare. Like, what really makes my hair stand up is that she knew he was hiding, thought it was someone else. Yeah. Like, how many times has someone done that in your family? Like, hit behind the door and you're like, okay. Right? Like, now you're just like looking for them to be strangers. Yes. Oh my gosh, that adds so much anxiety and fear. Just, it gets so much worse. Okay. You're right. <laughs> Just take a deep breath because it gets so bad. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so this frizzy, curly-haired dude, let's call him Von Taylor. Because that's his name. Oh. <laughs> yeah, let's call him that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. The man ordered her to call her mom and grandma upstairs. Kay had to help her elderly mother up the stairs, and they were met by another man with thick Coke bottle glasses. His name was Edward Deli. And he was pointing a gun at them as they walked up the stairs. So there's two people, yeah. two intruders. Tru- two intruders, Edward Deli and Von Taylor. So as they got up, Kay set her mother on a bar stool because she's elderly and just like, whatever. Yeah. So she and just climbed stairs. Right? Yeah. Set her on a bar stool and proceeded to ask the men what they wanted and beg them not to hurt them. Said they would give them money. They would give them, give them whatever. What do you want? You know, you can have this cabin. We'll, we will get the fuck out of here yeah. for you. But they weren't interested in negotiations. Within seconds, they fired their first shot. Linnea saw her mom clutch her chest and say, I've been shot, and turned to her grandma just to witness her her grandma getting shot in the head. What? Oh, my gosh. Grandma Beth managed to get back up just to be shot again. Once she fell, Von Taylor shot her again and said, this bitch won't die. <gasps> 
She's 76. Oh my gosh. Frail old lady. Wow. Blood was everywhere, and poor Linnea watched her mom and grandma last breath. Oh my gosh. Linnea proceeded to just pray for herself, pray for her grandma and her mom, and Von Taylor said, shut up, your purse won't work. I'm the devil worshiper. And the two guys took all the jewelry and cash they could find on Kay and Beth's bodies and took Linnea to a room, stuffed a sock in her mouth, and taped it shut. They tied her hands and feet so she couldn't escape. Deli, Edward Deli, he at least let the family dog into the room to keep her company. Wow. Yeah, this poor girl. Yeah. <laughs> Linnea overheard them talking about what they wanted to do with the bodies and seemed to have a plan to put them on the porch and cover them in snow. But I guess they felt sick because of all the blood, and she said she could hear one of them throwing up. Rolf and Trisha, um, the father and youngest daughter, right. returned to the cabin. Von Taylor pulled Linnea up and pressed his gun against her back. Um, she was helpless knowing she couldn't warn her dad and her sister. Imagine, right? Like, what do you do? Yeah, what do you say? Like, I mean, I guess you could scream, but they would run in. Or hope the dog starts barking. Right. Um, honestly, what? This freaking dog is probably a golden retriever. It's probably a golden retriever or Cooper. Like, yeah. my cockapoo. He's, like, literally useless. Okay. Anyway. Let's see. As soon as they pulled up, one of the guys was in a ski mask and charged them through the garage with a gun and ordered them inside. Rolf saw Linnea and knew something horrible had happened as he didn't see his wife or his mother-in-law. They ordered him to give them his money and all he handed them was $105. Then Von Taylor, holding onto Linnea, told Edward Deli to shoot Rolf but he couldn't go through with it. So Vaughn held up his gun and shot at Ralph. The gun misfired, he shot again, and it misfired again. The third time, he shot the gun and a bullet hit Ralph in the face. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They used the gas cans for the snowmobiles and covered the cabin in gasoline. They figured the fire would destroy all the evidence. They shot Ralph again in the back of the head and covered his entire body with gas. Fire was everywhere. The fire alarms were triggered. They grabbed the girls, Trisha and Linnea, to use them as human shields and have them drive the snowmobiles to get away. Wow. What, because they couldn't drive the snowmobiles themselves, or what? Probably. They seem kind of stupid. I bet that's why. As they reached the gate on the snowmobiles, the girls saw their uncle Randy driving up the driveway in his car because he's coming for the holiday party with the family, right? Right. He waved at them and called them and wondered who the guys were. He thought they were just boyfriends. He found it strange the girls acted like they didn't know who he was. They honestly probably saved his life by pretending they didn't know who he was. Yeah. Um, when one of the guys asked Linnea who he was, um, she immediately replied she had no idea and that he must be a local neighbor. They reached the family's car and at gunpoint they had the girls get in. Trisha was the front passenger seat next to Von Taylor driving. Linnea was in the back with the other guy. The guys were talking about their stupid plan to drive to New York, and then they let the girls go when they got there, but the girls knew they wouldn't let them go. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, Uncle Randy came back, and he walked toward the car, yelling at them to stop. They acted, and they again, the girls again, acted like they didn't know him. They're like, who is this dude? Right. Like... 
quick thinking. Like, I feel like your initial reaction would be to say, help, this, we don't know them, help, you know? Yeah, like, this, something terrible just happened. Yeah, but they knew that he would have been shot and killed because they just, without warning, killed everybody else. Wow. A Summit County Police car shows up out of nowhere and started following them as they drive down the road in the family's vehicle. Von Taylor freaks out and it turns into a high-speed chase of up to 90 plus miles per hour in like snowy weather. So wow. like and in the mountains or yeah. No? Yeah, it was okay. in that canyon up there. Right. They got as far as 40 miles away southwest from the cabin and the car spun out of control and they hit an embankment at, at some duckway. I don't know. I don't remember the name of it. I kind of understand words. <laughs> Vaughn looked at Edward and said, it's time for us to die. And Edward said, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's like, no, that's not what I agreed to. We're not doing that. Wow. Um, the girls looked up at the top of the embankment and saw police and civilians with guns pointed at the men. The girls held, held hands and ducked down and just waited for the gunfire to stop because there was like a short time where they were exchanging gunfire between the robbers and the police officers. I see. That's scary. Could you right? imagine? Because, like, what if you die just from like gun, random yeah. gunfire? Not yep. random, but like just a uh, like while you're trying a rogue to save bullet or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like in the act of being saved, you get shot. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Okay, so the police ended up dragging the guys out of the car and forced them on their knees. Linnea begged the police to kill the men. She said, kill them. They just killed my mom, my dad, and my grams. Shoot them now, kill them. The men were taken into custody, and the girls were shocked that they had help arrive so quickly. Apparently, as Uncle Randy was going up to the cabin, he was approached by a guy on a snowmobile who looked beat up with no coat, swollen eyes with frozen blood ice coals on his face it was their dad <gasps> i just got full body chills are you serious i, I immediately balled. are you serious yes their dad survived because apparently the gun with the bullets in the guy's guns that they used were like bird bird pellets or bird shots okay. and they're just much smaller so it missed all the important things and he wow. somehow that's amazing, right? So this is what he did, right? He played dead until he heard the snowmobiles drive away, got up, and tried to put the fires out. But he was catching on fire because of all the gasoline that was on him. Right. And he tore off his coat and clothes and continued to fight fires. But it kept, it was too much. There was fire everywhere, and there was no way he could save the cabin, so he realized he had to go look for his girls. Did they ever see what happened to the dog? No. Hmm. I just realized that. Well, the dog didn't do much, you know? <laughs> he wasn't a big character in no, the story. <laughs> he was not the hero in this. As he's telling his brother Randy he had been shot, Kay and Beth had both been murdered, and the girls had been kidnapped, he said, save my girls and lost consciousness. Wow. Randy put Rolf in the back of his car and sped off to follow the family's car. He dialed 911 over and over, but he kept losing service as he was in the canyon and there was snow and it's just not a good time. Um, he saw the family car uh, finally and considered driving or trying to run them off the road or have them spin out in some way. But he uh, finally got through to the dispatcher and told them what had happened and where the car was and where they were going and then lost connection. Uh, he figured that they probably 
were on their way to save them, so he figured he needed to get help for his brother. Like, at least he got the location out there and said, hey, this is where we are. Right. So, yeah. Dang. So he stopped at a gas station to call 911 again to get help for his brother, and who was clearly dying. He begged for a helicopter to take his brother to the hospital as soon as possible. Once the paramedics got there in the chopper, um, they realized how critical uh, condition Ralph was, and they life-flighted him to the nearest hospital. But he survived. Thank goodness. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. How? How? It's just insane to me. Did they say, like, what injuries he had specifically? Like, did I he mean, have brain damage or anything? No. Oh, no wow. brain damage. Like, it's insane to me. Wow. It. They said it was, it was a miracle that yeah. he wasn't more affected by, I mean, Jeez. emotionally affected in the worst way, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So when his daughter daughters found out what he had done for them, Trisha said, my whole life, my dad was my hero, and his actions that day just put an exclamation point on that. Uh, I know. Uh, that was so sweet, but so sad. I know. So Von Taylor, the guy with frizzy, curly hair, uh, was 25. He had recently been paroled in October after serving time for aggravated burglary. Edward Deli, the guy in the glasses, was 22, who also had been recently paroled in November after serving a year of a five-year sentence for arson. The two men had met at a halfway house, which they had walked away from on December 14th, about a week before this happened. How they were able to leave without being detected raised a lot of questions at the time and really pissed a lot of people off at the Utah uh, Department of Corrections. Yeah. I feel like sometimes, like, people get called out for not doing their job when something terrible happens, you know? Yeah. And it's like, why can't we all just keep doing our jobs so that these things might not happen? To prevent. Right. All of these things. I mean, I bet they cracked down after this, but for sure. wow. So the men, after they walked away from the halfway house, they hitchhiked to Oakley and spent the week robbing homes and cabins. They chose Oakley because Von Taylor's father owned a cabin there. He was the creepy guy that they saw walking a couple days before. His dad was? No, Von Taylor was. So I don't think Von Taylor's dad was there because I think most people don't go to their cabin in the winter. Yeah, right. (laughs) So... They usually pack it up and close it up for the winter, which is probably a perfect time to go and mm. rob them without without right. the collateral. But then they, yeah. you know, chose the mm. Oakleys. Um, That's so sad. Or the Oakleys. Well, did they yeah, know whatever. that they were going to be at the cabin? No, but they had, once they got to Oakley area, mm-hmm. they um, started stalking the family for a couple days. And while they waited... Okay, so they they were stalking them and then chose to rob them and made this plan that they were going to uh, kill the mom, dad, and brother and take the girls as body shields. That was their reason, was to have them as shields so that if they got shot at, they would just... Wow. Yeah. I doubt it. I think they had worse intentions, Yeah, probably, I thought but... that was, like, a stupid reasoning. <laughs> yeah. But... But that just shows, though, like, the mom, Kay, had a weird feeling about the guy she saw. Mm-hmm. 100% trust your instincts if you're uncomfortable around somebody. But, you know, if you have bad feelings about someone, just totally, ugh, yeah. yeah. Trust I mean, it. Thank, thank goodness she did, though. Yeah. Because they at least were aware. Yeah. It just sucks that they 
nothing else could have I don't know they just didn't mm-hmm. have anything to help them I don't know it just yeah. sucks once they broke into the home and the family was out right mm-hmm. as they waited for the family to get back they showered put on Rolf's clothes that Ew. they found in the closet they made food and took naps in the beds the investigators even found a video recorder that showed the men recording everything they did in the cabin as they waited. They recorded themselves Why, though? opening all the presents and trying to guess which family member each gift was for. That's twisted. Right? That's another kind of twisted. Right? They were jokingly and like joyfully like opening gifts like it was Christmas morning. What? Isn't the that hell? effed up? That's so twisted. Right. That's, like, literally out of a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is real. People did this. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But when Linnea found out about the video, she was like, are you kidding me? How? Like, she was, like, baffled at how heartless these men were. She's just like, Mm -hmm. this is my family. And you just made a joke out of our Christmas that we literally just put together the night before. Mm -hmm. And they just, like, thought it was funny. And fun for them oh it's awful (sighs) so after all this trauma aunt claudia was there to help take care of the surviving kids linnea sean and trisha she knew she couldn't fill their mother's shoes but refused to let the kids feel alone they had a joint funeral for Kay and her mother beth on december 28th where family and friends gathered to mourn their loss and remember their lives as angels on earth January 22nd, 1991, Von Taylor and Edward Deli were charged with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of attempted first-degree murder, two counts of ag- aggregated kidnapping and ab- aggregated assault. Aggravated? Aggregate. Aggra- hmm. What is that word? I don't know. I think you meant to say aggravated. Yep, I did. Hmm. I wrote it. Aggregated. Oh. But I don't think I know. <laughs> okay. Two counts of aggravated kidnapping and aggravated assault. Wow. Theft, arson, and failure to heed a police signal to stop. So they just were like, let's check on everything we can get in there. Um, If found guilty, they could face the death penalty. They both initially pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity, but after undergoing a court-ordered psych evaluation, they were found legally sane and fit to stand trial. Legally sane. Yeah. After everything they did. Yeah. But they didn't, but they weren't able to use insanity as a police. I mean, that's a good thing, but it also shows how... They're psychopaths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Their representation then decided to separate the trials outside of, or they they tried to separate the trials outside of Summit County. So the county that happened in there, like, okay, let's go to a neighboring county. But Judge Noel said, absolutely effing not. We're staying here and Mm. you're going to be tried together. Five months later, Von Taylor pleaded guilty for both counts of capital murder in return for the state to drop the rest of the charges. During the sentencing hearing, the medical examiner said that Kay was shot five times, twice in the chest, once on the side, and once on the shoulder, and once on the upper arm. The fatal shot to Kay was the one in her shoulder, and it just went through and got her internal organs. And Beth was shot three times, once in the head, twice in the chest, and the fatal shot was the one in the surviving members of the tita family testified rolf the hero dad linnea who saw every horrible thing in the world um, and trisha the 16 year old daughter uh taylor testified 
in his own defense, but kept arguing and saying he didn't remember what happened and his blatant lack of remorse for what he did really worked against him. Right. His lawyer did say he's a monster, he's a horrible human, (laughs) Um, but at least he pleaded guilty, so give him life in prison instead of the death penalty. So he's like, he did plead guilty. He's not saying he didn't do it when he clearly did do it, so like maybe he can get a break in that way. Mm-hmm. As your lawyer, he has to do it again. Yeah. But also, why? Yeah. Just say, yeah, he sucks. The jury ultimately found him guilty with a quick conversation <laughs> and sentenced Von Taylor to death for both the murders by lethal injection. The family was super relieved and it felt like justice was served. Deli decided to take his chances and go to court just two weeks after Taylor was sentenced. And was Von, was it Von Taylor? Mm-hmm. Was he the mastermind yeah, guy? Yeah, he okay. was, like, the leader. He's the one who actually shot them. Okay, so that's probably why the other guy's like, well, I'll try because I didn't pull the trigger. Right. You know? I think he was even the one who got sick. He's the one who, mm-hmm. like, like give, gave the girl her dog. You um, know, like, he was like, oh, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right, like, right. <laughs> like, oh, man. Ugh. Anyway. Okay. okay. So, but because Deli decided to do this, He put the Tita family through another trial of having to do testimonies and all that stuff. Mm. Deli's lawyer argued that Taylor was the ringleader and committed both murders, and Deli just unfortunately befriended the wrong guy at the halfway house. Hold on a second. Listen, it's really easy to say to someone, I don't want to be your friend anymore, because I don't (laughs) like what you're up to. I think you are a bad person. (laughs) You are bad news. You're getting me into some stuff I don't want to be a part of. Right. You have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. As a 22-year-old man, you can say no. Like, <laughs> can you drop me off you before can say, you go I this thing? I am fine taking other people's stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm not here for this. Right. Because they had that planned, right? Yeah, they were just going to rob people. But they had a plan that they're going to kill them. Yes. Yeah, so that's where he could have been like, wait a minute, I'm not for this, you like, know? Yeah. Like, that's premeditated. Yeah. So, he had he had days to opt out. Yeah. He had all this time to say, I don't want to. And right. he did it. Mm-hmm. Coward. Yeah. So, his stupid lawyer grilled the Tita family during the cross-examination, grilled them, questioned them, said, did you see Deli with the murder weapon? Did you see Deli actually shoot anybody? I didn't have to see anything. He was there as an accomplice. Right. And he was like, is it right that Deli brought Linnea to a bedroom to keep her safe from Taylor and brought the family dog to comfort you? Please. Is it true he saved your life type of thing? Ew. Um, and they're like, uh, no. Like, they, he could have killed me at any time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. Whatever. Anyway. Right. Like, he was just as much of a, of a threat than yeah. Taylor was. And he pointed guns at everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, he had the... If he didn't pull the trigger, he still had the ability to do that and didn't stop the other one from mm-hmm. doing it. The jury returned a verdict after 12 hours and sentenced him to, or charged him with second degree murder. The Tita family were stunned. They couldn't believe he wasn't sentenced to death. He was sentenced to life in prison. Apparently, uh, there was only one person in the jury who wasn't convinced he was responsible for the murders. And after so long, and the group was like, we're not putting a family through yet another um, having to do testimonies and stuff. 
they decided to give him the lesser sentence of life in prison instead of the death penalty because they couldn't convince this one person, Mm. you know. Wow. So they were like, okay, let's just let the family be done with this. Let's at least give him this. And they could all agree on the... That lesser it's weird. It's I keep thinking about. It's you know the Lafferty brothers mm-hmm. and how one of them wasn't the one that actually did it, but he was the one that was sentenced to death. But he was the mastermind. He was the one oh. who planned it all. Mm. The other guy was like, "Okay, looks like I'll do it." And I do think that's wrong. I think they should have both got the death penalty in that situation. Mm-hmm. This one, I I think I could I could understand life in prison instead of the death penalty because he didn't physically shoot anybody. Mm-hmm. But I still hate him. Yeah, I get it. Okay. The Tita family ended up suing the state for wrongful death of Kay and Beth. Rolf explained the civil case isn't about financial gain for him. He thought if he could get into their pocketbook, they'd pay attention and maybe something will change within the Department of Corrections. Because get this, Von Taylor actually called someone he knew at the halfway house and told him where they had been what their plan was, and that they had stolen guns from other cabins in the area, and the guy reported it to the authorities Mm -hmm. at the halfway house, and no one did anything. He said their whole plan, someone went and said something, they didn't do anything. (gasps) That is not okay. Tell me somebody lost their job because of it. Oh. Oh my goodness. Yeah, the Department of Corrections failed hard. Hard, hard, okay, hard. so what do you do then? If if you get that phone call from some crazy guy that you know, and you're like, okay, dude, talk to you later, call the cops, let them know, and then what? Because the you guy, feel like you did what you're supposed yeah. to do, you yeah. know? Do you call back and, you know, make sure they did their job? Is that what we need to do? Call back and be like, hey, remember that call that I made? Um, right. What'd you do about it? Because, right. gosh, that's Ooh. so stupid. But this is what happens when you don't keep track of shitheads leaving the prison system. Right. Okay. September 1992, Judge Noel said the state of Utah could not be held accountable for the murders and dismissed the case. Who did? Judge Noel. The same one who tried the men and said that they were guilty. Oh, so Linnea was obviously traumatized and described how painful it was during testimonies to have to hold the murder weapon in her hand as she was on the stand. She was, she did? yeah. I even saw a picture of her that holding doesn't it. Doesn't seem ethical. Like she had to show them how they held it, and she held the gun and pointed it and said, "This is what he looked like, and this is what he did. He pointed it at my mom and did this." And then, like, she's like, "These are the weapons that killed my family." As a witness and as a victim, I had to hold it and be that close to it. It wasn't. That doesn't seem it's not a, at all. Ugh, it makes me so sad. But she spent a lot of time wondering if happiness even existed anymore. Like, she just went through a really dark time. In 2001, she actually received a letter from Edward Deli from prison. She read it a thousand times, and after ten years, she actually replied. Deli, in his letter, said that he had changed and was no longer the same evil person that she knew, and apologized for all the pain that he caused her family. Wow. Um, when she replied, she said she forgave him. Wow. And she said it helped her gain back her life. She was like, I needed to let go. I needed to just put it behind me. Rolf ended up remarrying three times and finally found love with his last wife, which is Kay's best friend, Donna. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. They enjoyed a long life together. 
with the kids and grandchildren, and Rolf died of cancer in 2008 with his children by his side. Wow. Um, Trisha has two girls and is a single mother. She says she finds solace in her children's eyes as she sees both her mother and father in both of her girls. Oh, my gosh. Sean is married and has three boys. He finds joy in fatherhood and reminds his kids he's always there for him and in that way follows his father's footsteps. Mm -hmm. Um, Linnea, after a divorce, married her childhood sweetheart, Nathan. She has found happiness and a new beginning with him. Together, they have a blended family of nine children. Wow. Deli has never appealed his sentence. He has accepted that he will never leave prison for what he has done. Good. Taylor, on the other hand repeatedly appeals his sentence claiming his trial was unfair really unfair yeah let's talk about unfair his reason is because the jury was 75 percent mormon that makes no sense (laughs) okay um but most of those appeal or all those appeals were denied but how does he even have access to their religious beliefs he guessed. <laughs> yeah, he it's Utah, Mormon. so it's like you can yeah. probably put out a it's high like all the percentage. Stats are seventy-five percent of Utah is Mormon. Seventy-five percent of my story. <laughs> right, idiot. Yeah, he's so freaking stupid. But listen to this: in two thousand nineteen, a U.S. Di- district court judge claimed the defense hadn't proven beyond a reasonable doubt that it was Taylor's gun that had killed Beth and Kay, and as a result, the court declared Taylor innocent. Wait, how? <sighs> Technically, this does not make him a free man, but it delays his execution. So he's not being released. He's still on death row. So is he trying to blame? He's just saying, you don't know. You weren't there. No one, like, no one, there's no actual proof because they're pistols. Like, they're, both pistols probably had both prints on them. Mm-hmm. And they can't say for sure that it wasn't Delhi other than, I don't know, all the testimonies. Taylor confessed a few times. Like, I mean, that does nothing. That's not proof. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That is... Sh- okay, so he's not free, but he's innocent. Right. Five minutes. Okay. <laughs> the state of Utah said Taylor had confessed multiple times and the family had been th- put through so much they will not rest until this case is closed. Though it'll put everyone through a miserable length of litigations, but they're prepared for it and they're going to do it to make sure he does not leave death row yeah um the tita's cabin had been basically burned to nothing but the family pulled together and rebuilt a new cabin in the same place yeah oh linnea sean and trisha still gather at the cabin to come together and connect with their family and that is the story of the utah cabin murders which is the title of the movie based on the story called the utah cabin murders (laughs) released in 2019 like i said it's rated three out of ten on imdb (laughs) it's not great the acting sucks but it's Mm. like it's intense sorry if you're an actor in that movie um i just hope you practice (laughs) okay (laughs) that's my story wow wow never heard of it huh never isn't it like a nightmare that is it's a like nightmare. everyone's worst nightmare come to life. Like it, oh my gosh! Can you believe they like opened the presents and videotaped it? Where are those tapes? I couldn't find them. They're they're somewhere. I just couldn't find them. Hmm. And I didn't find this story until I dug and dug and dug for mm-hmm. stories in Utah. And I'm like, how is this not like the 
the biggest story in the state because it's like i bet there's a lot of stories that we don't know about yeah oh my gosh i cried so hard though when they talked about the dad yeah and the dad being alive i oh my gosh i just bawled like my whole body like my forehead to my (laughs) (laughs) chills i know i did not think it was their freaking impossible dad (gasps) wow do you want to describe where we are we are at the fear factory yep I see a railroad. I see a, a factory-type conjunction of metal and mm-hmm. rust. Lots of rust. Lots yeah. of rust and dirty metal. And do they still use it? Like, there's power tools out here. I don't really think so. And what's that orange thing? Do you see that orange oh, thing yeah. that's, like, all plugged in? Is it just nothing and I just think it's something important? There's even, like, a hose right there. And a garbage can. So maybe it's not used, but I don't know. I have no idea. We're at the Fear Factory, which is a haunted house attraction. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I've I've never been to the Fear Factory. It's a haunted house, right? Like always, but yeah, I've only been as a paranormal investigator. I've never actually gone through the attraction. I'm a Nightmare on Thirteenth person. All right. right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Fear Factory. Dun, dun, dun. The address is 666 West. Is that real? 800 South in Salt Lake City, Utah. Did they make it that way or is it real? It's real. I asked so. that when I did the tour. I was like, did you guys like request this number? <laughs> right? Did you like put in a form somewhere? <laughs> right. But no, it was, it's legitimately 666 West, 800 South. Hmm. Yep. So I did a deep dive. Do you know why 666 is considered an evil number? Um, uh, nope. Well, according to the Christian Bible, in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelations, which 13 is also a bad number, but in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelations, it says that 666 is the mark of the beast and the Antichrist. In Hebrew, each letter has a corresponding letter to it, And when you spell out the devil or the beast, it translates to 666. So that's why. Many people believe, including the current owners, that this factory is not only haunted, but cursed. Hmm. I didn't do a deep dive, so I'm like, it's not real. I don't know much about demons. Well. Or the devil. Um. (laughs) Yeah, I don't (laughs) don't know. I don't know. (laughs) He's just, like, the worst. He's he's the worst. He's a really... (laughs) bad dude yeah see i don't know any of the history about this so this is so fun I'm so glad it's, you don't it's know a real factory it's a real factory okay. there are six buildings within the factory six stories high and there have been six documented deaths inside the factory five deaths have been outside the factory five documented deaths like just on the grounds outside mm-hmm. okay so it's making it a, a total of 11 documented deaths okay I was able to find information for nine of them. But let's go back in time and let's learn about the history of Do you know why 13 is a bad number? 13 is a bad number because basically everything is in balance with the number 12. Everything is in balance. Like there's 12 hours, you know, uh-huh. there's 24, but then there's 12, like in the AM, PM thing. And then there's 12 zodiacs, there's 12 months of the year, there's 12 
Hmm. Uh, 12 tribes of Israel, 12... I don't remember. There's a bunch of things that are 12. And when you get to 13, it's just like, it's chaos. It's complete chaos. It's bad. It's no good. <laughs> I don't like that. I, don't, I feel like this is confusing. Why well, didn't do a lot on the number 13? I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let's go back in time and learn about the history of the factory. Okay. Shall we? We shall. It's the late 1800s. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> but we went back in time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and miners would dig for limestone and other materials in the Powerly's Canyon. Um, and they would just grind it down to a powder and make cement out of it. Okay. They would make Portland cement. And this was called the Portland Cement Works Factory. And for a long time, it was the only commercial-sized factory west of the Mississippi. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. Portland Cement Works, or cement, this factory, it was successful for about a hundred years, but one day in 1988, it closed its doors forever. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we like have a weird look in our eye and we're staring at each other. Yeah. <laughs> there were... I, there were high hopes that one day it would be back in business again, but by that time it had a really bad reputation for being one of the most unsafe places to work in Salt Lake City. They didn't have OSHA yet. Not yet. No. <laughs> Their reason for closing the doors and never reopening was because of the competition that was coming in because people were figuring out how to make cement and then they were getting it imported for cheaper outside of Utah. They stole the recipe. Yeah. Like, Did Mr. Krabs ever quit when the chum bucket plankton guy <laughs> kept trying to take his recipe he for didn't. the crusty crab crabby patties Mm-mm. he didn't but these guys quit they did people people were like no it's not the competition dude it's because nobody wants to work here uh, um, I read that to save money they were mixing in things into their batches like shredded tires and waste solvents <laughs> so even the fumes from those chemicals were like super unsafe toxic? breathing in Ooh. very toxic yikes and it was toxic before, <laughs> but then adding those things, people were like, you're literally trying to kill us all. Like, what are you doing? Is it like cancer-causing type? Yeah. Like, it could, pro- I don't know, it pro- could probably cause people to be sick, like pneumonia and things like that. Um, <laughs> so the factory was ab- abandoned from 1988 until 1994, when they spent $2 million to clean up the place and get rid of all the toxic materials out of it. And they did that so that one day it could hopefully be either reused or just torn down. And then the space could be used for something else. Gotcha. So they couldn't rebuild. I mean, if they tore it down with all the toxic stuff in it, would it have made, like, the ground toxic and stuff? Or, like, spread it in the air or whatever? Or in the water. Oh, I see. Okay. Yep. So they had to come in and, and clean it up so that it wasn't a danger to the community. Gotcha. After the cleanup, it sat vacant until 2010 when Rob Dunfield bought the property. Rob is a haunted house enthusiast. I listened to an interview done by Kelly Ann Halverson, and in the interview, uh, she explained that he grew up here in Utah and literally since he was born would go behind the scenes of his dad's haunted house attraction that he owned and operated back in the 70s mm. uh, here in the Salt Lake Valley. So he was pretty local and owned his own haunted house attraction. And what was it called? 
I don't know. I was gonna look that up, but I didn't have time. He's competing with his dad. He's like the Basically. owner of Nightmare on Thirteenth, and he's like, you "Watch me." Yeah, like I'm gonna do this better. Right. <laughs> not that it is better. I don't know, but I don't know. So back in the '70s, his dad owned his own haunted house attraction, and he was involved the entire time. Rob hmm. was. He was yeah. like, "I was, I was there. I was helping. I was a part of it. I learned all the ins and outs of how to do this." So then he said, "He's like, so one day I was out looking for a property to find my own haunted house attraction." And he's like, I stumbled upon the factory and I fell in love with it because of like the open spaces, the stairways, the claustrophobic places. There's even two underground tunnels in this oh, place. Oh, there are? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so he was like, this place is dope. So he was like, I want it. But then later is when he found out that it was actually haunted. Like for realsies. For realsies. Yeah, so he's like, even better. Yeah. So, and fun fact, I didn't put this in my notes, but in the interview with Kellyanne, he even said, he's like, for our first season, we did uh, like our own paranormal investigation there. And anything that we got out of it, we used that as inspiration for the props and everything. So like they Whoa. made it into like what happened They like dramatized their experience mm-hmm. into like, a physical thing that's yeah. crazy exactly so smart dude i know man. uh kellyanne who was conducting the interview asked him if he has ever experienced something paranormal here and he said i know the area well enough to know where the walls are and where all the props are and i've seen pictures of things that i can't explain he didn't go into any specifics he was like i just know where everything is and how it looks and there's been pictures of things that don't look like that so Whatever that I tells wish, you. Like, he would just say, yeah, it's freaking haunted. I know. And he didn't. I was just, like, waiting for it. And I'm like, and what else? But he he didn't share. Why? So, I think it's because, um, and I'll get into a little bit more, but he partnered with the Grim Ghost Tours. And they're a company that does uh, paranormal investigations at different locations around Utah. I don't think they do it outside of Utah. But they do it here. And I wonder if they don't share too much so that you want to come experience find your own Mm -hmm. evidence that's what i think because when i was looking online for stuff i couldn't i could only find what people were willing to share with me you know so like i found the history and i have my own experiences here and then what everybody else is able to tell me and then i watched ghost adventures and that's all the information i was able to get so there's nothing you can't just go online and find evidence and like find recordings and whatever unless you go on to ghost adventures Ah, sucks. Yeah. What do you think happened here? Shall we get into all the deaths and terrible things? There's a lot of stairs. Did someone fall mm-hmm. down the stairs? Not the stairs. Oh. The did someone jump off the roof? Did they jump off the roof? <laughs> Pushed? Fell. Fell through the roof. Flew. Flew there. Okay, so as I said before, working in this factory was a really dangerous place. Yeah. When they would gather their materials and put them in the kiln, they would reach anywhere from 1,300 to 3,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and that's hotter than what's needed to melt steel. Is it hotter than fire? Yep. It's like molten. I thought, quote from you, (laughs) fire is the hottest thing we know of. Well, I think the fire made it go that hot. I don't know. Or is it the coal? I don't know. Fire is fire. Probably. Fire makes things hot. hotter. <laughs> right. Because on May 31st of 1898, about five years after they were established here in this factory, the factory caught fire and all that was left was brick buildings and broken down machines. This whole thing? Whole thing. 
was burnt to the ground after this fire, only after only five years of them being established. So two and a half years later after the fire though, a man named George Howe was hired to work at the factory as a maintenance worker while it was under construction from the devastating fire. Mm -hmm. On the evening of November 27th of 1900, 25-year-old George was oiling one of the machines. He reached over the machine and suddenly a part of his sleeve caught into one of the gears and his arm was ripped from his body. Oh my gosh, that's... <sighs> yeah. That's gross. Unfortunately, George wasn't able to free the rest of his body from the sleeve, you know, so the rest of his body was thrown into. <gasps> and he was ground up into bits and spit out from the other side. Oh my gosh. Just a pile of mutilated body parts. You know, let me tell a personal story really fast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our friend Corey uh -huh. had an accident at work two years ago. Oh. Where he thought that he lost his finger and under he works in a warehouse. Yeah. So he thought he dropped metal onto his finger mm -hmm. and it, he's wearing gloves Yeah, and he panics and thought he lost his finger, passes out, hits his head. <laughs> he like scratched his finger <laughs> and the injury on his head was worse than the one on his finger. <laughs> <laughs> when oh he my said, gosh. But he was texting because it was when Josh had his kidney surgery, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so he texts Josh and he's like, I think I lost my finger. And he takes a picture of it and it's like, his, well, so he like kind of lost a little bit of his nail. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing in the world. Did he get workers' comp? No. Oh. <laughs> he just got everyone thinking he's an idiot. Corey's not allowed. I mean, I don't think he listens to this, but if he does, I mean, you're a buzz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would say it to your face, and I have. So. Oh, good. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this guy so. was actually in an accident. He was actually lost his body. <laughs> <laughs> he lost every part of his body. Count your blessings, Corey. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so two and a half years later... After that, uh -huh. just after 2 p.m. on July 30th of 1903, Frank Holmes was working in the factory and, just like George, reached over the machine and his sleeve got caught. This just don't wear sleeves to work! <laughs> right, like, roll them up. Like, what are you doing? Don't get so close. I don't know. <laughs> but this time, someone was able to stop the machine. Oh. Like, right as it was happening, they were like, like, they hit the stop button. Good. But the gears were still moving very quickly and his arm was caught ripped from his body and the rest of his body was flung up into the air and he landed on the ground Ooh. and then they said that his arm was dangling by fabrics of his sleeve like somewhere nearby oh my gosh yeah surprisingly though when they went to go check on him he was still breathing oh my gosh and he later died at the St. Mark's Hospital Four months later, on December 1st of 1903, a 28-year-old man named Martin Fritzoff Holmberg, aka Fred, he was working on the roof and somehow he just fell right through it and then land, like, fell to his death. He fell that far down? Mm -hmm. And it's six stories high. He fell six stories from the floor he was on was the top. Mm -hmm. And he fell all the way down to the first. And died. Wow. A man named Charles Whitner also died around the same time, but I couldn't confirm exactly the date. 
Um, he was standing on a rafter above one of the boiling vats, and the fumes from the chemicals made him dizzy, and he, had fall- he ended up falling in and was boiled to death. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's like any kind of horrible way to die, you could do that here. Yeah. For Just sure. get creative, and that's what mm-hmm. anything can happen. It's like, it's like the death playhouse. Oh here. my gosh. A historian for the Grim Ghost Tours, her name is Fiona Hill. And she was able to tell me a few more deaths that happened here, but I couldn't get a lot of info other than what she was able to tell me. Okay. Um, a worker named Thomas was crushed by a millstone. Another worker named Frank was hit by the train that runs directly in front of the factory. The one that the, the one that we just saw. Utah tracks just went on. Yeah. Huh. Uh, there's a Utah tracks, and then there's like a utility or like a not this one right in front of us, right. but the other one over the there. One over there. There's also a suicide on the tracks, which I didn't put it in my notes, but if you watch Ghost Adventures, um, they cover that part. And they they have the, the first responder that came to the scene, and he was like, it was crazy, like, how... Why would you choose that? It's so sad. I don't get, like, I think it's just something I just don't understand. And, mm-hmm. like, you think of, or you hear all the different ways people choose to go, choose to go and it's just like, why? Yeah. So, a man named Frank was hit by... A train that runs directly in front of the factory. Okay. Another, oh, a train engineer named William was killed when his train somehow derailed in front of the factory. Just randomly derailed. I don't understand how that happens. But I, I don't, also I'm, don't understand how a train goes. <laughs> <laughs> like, they've been around longer than cars, but we're still, like, way. <laughs> right? Well, like, the tracks train doesn't you like, in my head, a train is, like, choo-choo and has a little puff of smoke. Yeah. Still don't know how that works, but but then how does it like go? I don't know. <laughs> we, should, we should probably know more things. Well, we're learning as we go. <laughs> um, a man named Garrett Odin was killed in a separate fire here, not the first one. Um, and lastly, a five-year-old named Theodore oh. died here. His body somehow got struck by a wagon wheel and. As it left of the property, people flagged it down, and it wasn't stopped until two blocks later, and he was already gone because his skull was crushed. <gasps> By a wagon? Like, he was caught in the wheel, and I'm assuming that he was going round. Oh my gosh. Yeah. While the factory was abandoned, it was essentially a homeless city. Um, so, like, homeless people were all over in, inside the factory. And Smart. Yeah, honestly. And I think it'd be safe to say that there were some deaths during that time, but they weren't probably. I mean, Mm -hmm. probably, you know, overdoses or just elements from the cold Mm -hmm. and stuff. Or hunger. You never know. I think that there were deaths there, but they're not publicly available if Mm. there were. So the Fear Factory is now a haunted house attraction called the Fear Factory. One year, an actor named Chris Porter found a satanic Bible in one of the silos. And in that particular silo, he had the role of playing Satan. So when he found this Bible, he thought, hey, this is good content. I'll just start reading from it. No. Over a microphone, he was chanting slash yelling these satanic Bible verses. Idiot. (laughs) And he said that while he was doing this, he started getting really, really, really bad headaches and started feeling dizzy. And he's like, this isn't right. So then what he decided to do is talk to some other actors and be like, hey, I found this this and I've been reading from it like do you think like that's not good <laughs> and they were like yeah don't do that <laughs> and they told him they're like just so you know there's been like 
um, satanic rituals happening in the silo, like, for a long time now. And that's like people how... breaking in and doing satanic rituals there, or from before when it was well in the Ghost Adventures episode is actually current employees that were doing it. Oof. Yeah, and he said that when he found the Bible, it was like tucked under some dead roses and stuff. This is all in the Ghost Adventures episode. Oh. Um, so I don't want to seem like I'm stealing information, but like, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, just summarizing. Yeah. So, like, he said that when he went into the silo, you just found, like, a bunch of dead roses, and underneath, like, this dirty pile of whatever was this book. And that's why he's yeah. like, I don't know where this came from, but I'm going to use it. And then other people are like, that's probably from the rituals that are happening in there. And now you're, like, you know, spreading it. Dressed as Satan. Yeah, that's not the smartest thing. No. So people think that he probably opened a portal in the silo by doing this. Since then, people have reported seeing shadows run across the ceiling in the silo, a sense of being followed, headaches, dizziness, and have heard unexplainable uh, banging noises and even disembodied voices. Hmm. So in the same episode, when Billy was setting up the equipment in the hell asylo, hell asylo, hell, hell asylo, oh my gosh, so when <laughs> Billy was setting up in the hell silo, uh-huh. Um, he said that while he was sitting up, he kept getting this feeling that someone was, like, right behind him. I actually have seen this episode. Oh, have you? I remember. Yeah, because he was setting... Yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So he was setting up, and he was like, I don't feel right in here. This is not... I, I'm not going back in there. So he set everything up, and he's like, hey, it's all good, but I'm not going back in, like, at all. Well, at the very end of the episode, they picked up two EVPs from the hell silo, and one was, like, a growling, giggling noise. And the other one just said, Billy. <gasps> oh my gosh. Right? Have it say, having anything say your name that's not, oh my Especially gosh. when you openly voice, like, I'm not going in there. And then it says your name. It's like calling him in there. Yeah, that's what I thought too. <laughs> Chills. Yeah, I know. So another actor was performing in the doll room and was interviewed on Ghost Adventures. And he said that hit, or him and his wife explained that when he... Uh, was doing this character in this room he just didn't feel like himself and like he would go home and he's normally like a happy-go-lucky guy but he was like mean just not there you yeah. know and like disconnected wife, yeah and his wife even said he's like she was like I was gonna divorce him kids didn't want to be around him no one wanted to be around him but he was normally this like happy sweet guy mm-hmm. and then once he started working in this doll room he just changed do you wonder if it's because you're just around all of this, like, dark stuff? Not, I mean, sure, maybe it's haunted, but, mm-hmm. like, do you think it's just because you're around all of this weird stuff for your job all day and you're, like, go home? Like, it's influencing just, you to feel yeah. a certain way? Maybe. I mean, I wonder, because I feel like your your surroundings really affect mm-hmm your day so like my office especially if you're acting at something yeah so at home Mm -hmm. when I'm working not anymore but (laughs) when I'm working like if I feel like run down I'll light a candle or something because I feel like it wakes me up or it makes me feel like better Mm -hmm. or like if your house is messy you're stressed out and like frustrated if you're like in a dark room a lot you know you're bound to be more depressed Mm -hmm. I feel like it's possible that that affected him but where it changed his personality so much and he couldn't get out of it Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a different a whole different story because I can understand him being like more apt to being like 
in a bad mood or mm-hmm. not feeling himself, yeah. but like every day, all the time. I yeah. don't know. And where your wife's like, I'm going to divorce you. Right. But that's a <laughs> that's... pretty big change. Yeah. And in the episode of Ghost Adventures, um, when Zach walks into that room, I know that he seems to be like very over the top. He's Zach Baggins or right. whatever the heck his last name is. Yeah, I think Baggins is right. But, you know, he he does act quite a bit. But when I was watching this, I was, like, waiting to see, like, anything that looked fake, like, in his expressions and whatever. He honestly had, like, a change of, like, like his muscles in his face changed. And he was like, I don't feel right in here. I got to get out. He actually left and went outside to get fresh air and was like, whatever is in that room is strong. And I didn't feel it anywhere else. Even in the hell silo, this is the only room. The doll room. In the doll room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I posted something on the Utah Haunted History Facebook page and asked if anybody has had experiences here, and I got a few responses, so let's go through those. Okay. Okay. So Shannon R. from the Facebook group, she said in the underground tunnel, she said that she was using an SB11 spirit box, and when they walked into the area where George died, a voice came through that said, hi, I'm George. (laughs) What? Just like that. Yeah. Did she send it to you? That would have been cool. Oh, that would have been so cool. I know, that would have been cool. Uh, Julie T. from the same group, she said she's done several investigations there, and until one time she was kicked in the back, and she had a huge bruise on her back. Oh my gosh. See, that's that's what really freaks me out, is I don't mind hearing things. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see anything. (laughs) I don't mind hearing things. Yeah. I don't want things to touch me. At that point, I feel like I would feel so violated mm-hmm. and like, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, because you can't hit them back. Yeah, <laughs> you like, know? you can't f- get in a fist fight with a freaking ghost. No. They kick you. You're, you're just kicked. You're SOL, man. Yeah. <laughs> so Jenna V from the group, she said um, she has had rocks thrown at her a few times. She's heard a child's voice in the main part of the attraction. Which I think is, like, because right behind this big, tall building, mm-hmm. well, at least when I did the tour, I know they change things up all the time. Behind that, it's a big, open, like, courtyard kind of thing. It's mm. all open. I think that's the main part, is what she's okay. talking about. Because I don't know where else it Like, the been. biggest room? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not even a room. It's just outdoors. It's just like a big, open oh. area. Gotcha. Outdoors. She's heard heavy sounds of objects falling from the ceiling, but when they inspected it with the owner, nothing was out of place. Um, in the hell silo, this is the same person, uh, she was using a SB7 spirit box and said the only cuss words were coming through. <laughs> Jeff C. from the Facebook group said he was in the hell silo and he was leading a group of about 12 people or so through the maze. Because when you go into the hell silo, it's like a maze. Like, you're going through a haunted attraction. And it's basically gated off with these big gate panels, like chain link fence mm-hmm. kind of things. They were doing a paranormal investigation inside the silo. They found a place to stop as a group. And the entity that they were communicating with was giving intelligent responses by knocking on command when asked a question. Jeff said that he left the group to go investigate to make sure that that knocking noise wasn't... Or there wasn't a reason for that knocking noise, you know? And he wasn't able to find anything to debunk it. He said he went back to the group to let them know that they were completely alone. And there weren't any reasons for the knocking. And then all of a sudden, they collectively heard footsteps in the dirt. 
and they were getting closer and closer, and no one was there. I hate that so much. The end. That's it. You know what? Have you ever seen... I know you have paranormal activity. Mm -hmm. You know when they, like, put out powder of some sort, and they see footsteps of, like, some kind of, like, reptile, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I thought you were going to say ghost. Well, yeah, but, like, like... It's almost like hooves. Oh, or it, not, it wasn't. It almost. I haven't like seen it. Like a lizard for long. person? Yeah, but it looked like it had like claws. Oh. I, like talons. I'm gonna have to watch it again. It's been <laughs> probably. Can you imagine people are like, that's a different movie, bro? <laughs> it's like, that's, that's not even a real movie. No one's no. ever seen it. I'm just making yeah, it up. That's Chicken Biddle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. But I think that has been. The scariest thing for mm-hmm. me to watch happen is these footsteps come towards their bed and then they're just effing ripped out of their bed. Yeah. That's my biggest nightmare. Like hearing something approach you that you can't see. But then even seeing the steps though. Yeah. Like just like something's there. You can't see it. You don't know if it's like big feet, little body. <laughs> you don't know if it's <laughs> right. like big feet, gigantic body. Is it a bird? Is it a tree? Is it mm-hmm. a demon? Is it a tree? I don't know. <laughs> that would be wild. I can't keep up with what my brain is thinking. But anyway, anyway like you just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crew and the raccoon. <laughs> yeah. What's his name? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, it's just scary because you don't know what it is. It's coming at you and it just... That is terrifying. That is terrifying. So, like, if I heard footsteps coming towards me and I couldn't see anything... Mm-hmm. I think I would immediately pass away. <laughs> You're like, goodbye. <laughs> like, rest my soul. <laughs> right. And then I would then haunt. Well, that's the story. That's cool. It makes yeah. you like, it makes me want to do a ghost tour, but I know they're so, so expensive. They got more expensive since I did it. Well, mm-hmm. but I want to, you didn't say anything about your experiences. Oh, well, okay. I'll tell you about mine. Okay. So I don't want to offend anybody, but. When I went to the tour, and so they take you up into, like, their office room mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's, like, indoors. It's heated because there's no heat. Like, it's crazy. Anywhere. It's so cold. Um, but they take you into their little office room, and they give a spiel. They're like, okay, here's the history of the place. These are the evidence that we found. Here's how to use the equipment that we're going to let you use. They give you dowsing rods and an EMF detector. When I went through, I wasn't expecting to get anything. You were like, this is a joke. This is this is just a scheme to get my money. Yeah. And whatever. The funnest area was in the clown area. F that. Other people said that was their scariest part. I'm not afraid of clowns. They don't freak you out? I mean, they... I mean, like, if I saw a guy dressed as a clown right there and he had, like, a hatchet in his hand coming at me, I'd be scared. But, like, if I saw a clown with balloons, I'd be like, good job, bud. You don't tip. have... You don't have a feeling in your soul that that <laughs> clown Mm-mm. is going to murder you no. with or without a weapon. No. I have a feeling, no matter what, if I see a clown, <laughs> it has bad intentions. Mm. Well, I can't do it. <laughs> you, w- you wouldn't do well in that room because it's like totally funky town clown zone. And they have like a bus. It's all like fake clowns here and there some that are like hanging from the ceilings you don't notice it unless you look up literally i avoid the clown area 
shopping for a costume. Wow. I can't do it. Like, That's it's crazy. Just the weirdest I mean, thing. I not crazy, because I know a lot of people have that fear. Yeah, I mean, but I, I like, I understand it, because, and I, I don't think it's because of, like, it. Well, maybe it is, because we watched that as kids. I'm scared of clotheslines because of that Because <laughs> of that movie. Clotheslines. You know the scene where the clown is, like, behind the white sheets? And they're oh. like... <gasps> Yeah, I'm terrified of clothesline now. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I don't understand. Just because I'm like, what if there's somebody stand? Not a clown, but like somebody hiding in the sheets. Does it have to be a clown? <laughs> but like, I understand that. Yeah. It's not the but clown. But that's a different takeaway from that. <laughs> I would think like maybe the gutter. Yeah. Yeah. But the clotheslines is different. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's so funny. And the, clown, <laughs> the clown room was my favorite. Okay. Then we went to. Why was it your favorite? It was my favorite because we got. I felt like there was a presence there, mm-hmm. and we were playing with the dowsing rods, and they were very active. And it and it felt not like a dark presence, but like a like just a, a person. Yeah, just like somebody that's like interested in knowing why you're there, and you're like, yeah. well, I want to know why you're here. Well, I want to know why you're here. And it's just yeah. like, let's chat. It's so, like, that was kind of like the, the vibe, where it's just like, let's get to know each other. Is that where you guys had the cool videos from the dowsing rods in no. that room? That oh, was okay. in the hell silo. Oh. Probably communicating with the devil. Who knows? Do you think it's the devil, or do you think it's just bad juju spirits? I will tell you that when we were in there, that felt dark. It felt oh. so heavy. Like, the darkness felt darker in there. The air felt colder, and like... Everything just felt bad in there. Like, bad, Weird. bad, bad. And so we sat down and we started playing Dowsing Rods and stuff. And I remember our friend Bree was like, I don't like... You can hear her in the video being like, oh, cool, let's get out of here. <laughs> and me and Callie are like, yeah, so what else? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like, are you standing... Oh, then we asked the Dowsing Rods, like, can you point this to where you are? And, like, they just went... Or one of them spun all the way around in my hand. Uh-huh. And was pointing basically behind me. So then I asked, are you behind me? And it said yes. So explain yeah. dowsing rods. So dowsing rods are copper rods that are basically angled in a 90 degree angle at one point. Mm-hmm. And you just balance them in your hands and supposedly the spirit can cross them to answer questions. Yeah. Or to point them if you're asking them to point them in a certain direction or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of info behind that. People can look it up. But basically what what we did is I held them and I would ask questions like so yes so they want to answer yes is to cross them mm-hmm. and no is to uncross them okay. or to leave them the same yeah leave them straight right yeah now the one area that I refused to go in was the catacombs so th- we went down there for the tour because they uh-huh. take you through the tour and be like this is where this is you're allowed to go here not there and then after the tour they're like hey have fun you can just roam around. Mm-hmm. You can go wherever you want. So we, after the hell silo, before we were about to leave for the night, we're like, oh, hey, let's go back down to the catacombs, see if we can talk to George. We walked up to the doors that we were about to open it, and all three of us were like, nope. nope. Really? At the same time, all of us were like, no. Like, it was a hard no. Like, Was it like, did you feel dark, or did it feel like they didn't want you there? Type both. Of thing? It was like, oh. it was like you're not allowed. I don't know. It felt like a brick wall. Like, I almost didn't, like, it would, didn't even want to go there. I can't even explain that feeling. Where it's just like, I don't even want to touch the door handle. It's just, no. Interesting. We're going home. 
So I would definitely say this place is haunted. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I saw some of your guys' videos, uh, yours and Callie's and Brie. Mm-hmm. I saw your guys' videos of the dowsing rods, and, like, it just, it was so intelligently answering your questions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that's so crazy. It's so cool. Because, like, how else can you explain that? You, if you're just holding rods and they're moving around on their own, then okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you start ask, am, asking a question and then they move, how can you explain that mm-hmm. other than something else is moving them? Yeah, and you've played with dowsing rods before. Yeah. And isn't it so crazy, like, feeling that movement Yeah. on the other end of the, of the rod? Like, you can almost feel like someone grabs the end of it, holds it, and then moves it. Yeah, it's, it's the most bizarre <clears throat> feeling, and I've never done them before until we went camping, mm-hmm. and I was holding them, and I asked a question, and it just, like... I could feel, like, exactly how you explained, I could feel someone grab them and move them. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can't, if you're if you're holding them the right way, you can't move them in an intelligent way without no. looking in like a you're steady moving way. it. Yeah. Right. Like, you could make it, like, fall. Yeah, you know, but you can't move but... it right and left or cross easily just holding them, you know. It's yeah. just so weird. It's a weird feeling, and you just know something's moving them. Mm-hmm. It's just so strange. And it's funny, like, looking around the room, because the people that are watching you do it are like, are you full of shit? <laughs> you know? I know, you're like, and you're oh. like, I swear, like, if you could just put these in your hand. <sighs> anyway. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks for listening to our Halloween episode. Yeah. Episode five. And today should also be our launching of our first Bring Your Own Booze episode. Yeah. Which, Hopefully it's good. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, I'll just say it, we're interviewing our friend Tori. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a lot of crazy stories. I've already heard them before, and I think you did too last year or the year before. I Halloween. probably have. But we probably don't remember. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear them again. And because I remember they were freaky, like poltergeist kind of stuff. <sighs> so if you haven't listened to it already, hop on over there and give that a listen because it's going to be wild. Yeah. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Haunting Cold Podcast. And find us on Patreon if you want exclusive content, like behind-the-scenes, ghost hunts. And if you become a patron, you can actually receive a free gift from us. Mm-hmm. Um, just make sure that you include your address in the uh, when you make your account. You have the option of adding your address. If you want that free gift, you need to add that because we don't know where you live. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode will air on November 14th. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Okay. See you next time. Mm Okay, bye.